Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You've got to fucking die to do a podcast. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown podcast, live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us and well, what a disastrous week it's been for Mills Football Club. Back-to-back defeats against Hull and QPR, which sees Borough drop back into the relegation zone with five games to play. A quite a quite sad and, and dire week, really, in a state of affairs. But to help me chew the fat, um, I'm joined with Dana and Elliot, as always, guys. Thanks for, for joining me. Um, I know about an hour ago I was saying I don't have a clue what to say, really, because... I was a bit in despair before we came on the mic and that says something. But before we delve into to QPR and we chat about the week that Borough have had, I just want to start off with you guys and ask you a, just a simple question, really. And what can you just give a reflection of what you've been thinking throughout the week when you've seen these results happen? I've been thinking pretty much easing more into what I thought before Neil Warnock was appointed. Well, it, it was two podcasts ago that I said that, um, I remember you asked me, Johnny, if I'm more optimistic now that Warnock's in charge, and I, I straight up said no. I think this week has sort of confirmed that to me and, and set it in place that I do think that Borough are going down, and it's a scary thought, but all throughout this season people have said, oh, there's, there's three worst teams than us, and oh, we've got you know, some games coming up that that run in against Luton, Barnsley, and Wigan, or whatever it was, and you know we only got a point from those games. You know, it's it's not good enough, and I think this week has probably solidified that in my mind. That I think Borough, to me, there's only one way Borough are going, and that's down. Yeah, I think I have to uh, kind of fully agree with with Dana there. It was, you know, it was one step forward, two steps back, literally, in in terms of the actual results we. We got, um, you know, Warnock's alluded to it as well. There's bigger problems um, at the club than than just you know what's happening out there on the pitch. So, 
Um, I don't think, in in all honesty, that there was there was much difference in performances out of the three games. I think we weren't any that much better at, at Stoke. I thought we played very similar styles in in all. I just think um, you know Stoke were just very poor on that day. Um, we came away with the victory. We defended our lead very well. Um, but you know, obviously, these last two games, we've we've um, especially today, uh, it was too easy for QPR. Um, and Hull was one of those. It was a very scrappy game, um, and we we just weren't good enough. Uh, we went into it, I guess, and it does kind of get to you after the last podcast. Obviously, a majority of the time after we've won, we normally predict the next game to be a positive result, which I think we all did. But um, you know, it's one of those where we have to think, you know, well, Hull are in the same position as us, scrapping for the lives, um, and their sort of motivation in the end has paid off. But, so. Mm. And what you, I think I want to come on what you just mentioned there, Els, about Warnock mentioning more of a restructure in his press conference today. Um, he said, if we were still at the end of the season, I think the club needs a bit of a restructure. What restructure should happen? Is it something that needs to happen on the pitch? Because that's quite clear. Um, or is it a case of a full restructure from top to bottom? Yeah, I think uh, from, from top to bottom, really, I think... Uh, Staffing at sort of all levels needs to be to be looked at, um, and say you know are we are we hiring the best person for this job, um, regardless of you know where they're from, um, what ties they have to the club or um, relations. It has to be about finding the best candidates, just just like you would for a player search almost. You know if if you're you know if you're trying to get new players in the club, you send scouts far and wide. It's the same obviously for staff. You want to get the best talent in at the club, um, so. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that they're not proficient at the jobs. We don't know what goes on day to day, and um, you know, the training ground and and and, and so on. But um, it's clear that there's been other things that have went wrong than just the players out there on the pitch. Um, we've had a lot of injuries this year, um, which obviously falls on on the medical team. We've had very poor um, transfer windows um, in quite a lot of years recently, um, so that falls on the you know on the recruitment team. So. Um, and even looking further up than that, you, you know, you you haven't got sort of anyone in charge who's sort of kind of dictating a philosophy and identity about the club, really. Um, you know, Gibson probably has an idea of what he wants it to be like, but in in all honesty, he's more of a businessman than a, a football man. So, yeah, um, I think sort of all levels, really, and, and obviously it needs to be done again on on a budget because if we go down, it's going to be harder to kind of. You know, just get rid of staff and replace with new ones who are potentially better because you know there's other clubs who are also looking for staff. So um, it's a difficult process, but it's it's about getting the, the best talent in at all levels. Mm. I think I think you mentioned with like the cap as well. With there's um if Borough were to be relegated this year, there is a financial cap that will come into place for the whole football league. I believe it was 18 million for the championship, 2.5 million for League One, then 1.8 million for League Two. That's just in regards to wages. So what you would see is a, a massive shift in players' salaries, but also probably the club as well would have to become more financially viable, which I think we are. Um, I think we've had to cut back this year, part of financial fair play, and then we were hoping to have a go again next year. But it depends where we are. And Els, I'm just going to last time we'll stay with you, Els. Um, but Mark Cutchin put in the question saying. Uh, what, what does your head and your heart say about Millersville getting relegated this season? Do you think we're going to go down? Is are you confident that we're, or are we going to confident that we're going to get out of it? 
Um, I think obviously after the Stoke game, my, my head was um, kind of saying, you know, I think we maybe have enough to do it. Uh, my heart was maybe saying a bit different, but you know, after two defeats now, it's. Um, I mean, just looking on the just the mathematical side of it, it's just it's just looking ever more dangerous. Only five games to go. I can't see where the, the results are going to come from. I was having a look at our points per game this season. I think it was like one point three three. It said. Um, so if you're basing it on that, we're going to get what five points from the next the next lot of games, or maybe six. I, I can't see where those are, are going to come. So at the moment, both head and heart are kind of saying down. Um, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be very close, and I think um, pretty much all the teams are going to find out probably in the the last, either the second from last game or the last game of the season. So yeah. Mm, Dana. Do you think Wigan getting potentially getting deducted points might help Millsborough a little bit? But if you have a look, if you have a look at the fixtures, they have got Luton, they've got Barnsley, they've got Charlton to play as well. So do you think it's a, a case of we shouldn't look at their fixtures at all? Because if you think think about it, without the without the financial side of things, they've kept seven clean sheets in a row. Um, they've won the last five. Do you really think that's going to be a problem for them? Because the fixtures they've got are against teams in and around us and they've performed really well over the last few games as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, the whole Wigan thing, I think, is being used as a safety net for Borough not being sucked into the, the bottom three. Obviously, that's where we are at the moment. And I think, again, there seems to be this cloud of oh well there's this happening and oh well is that happening that could save us that for me is I don't really care like for we need to focus on ourselves and I don't know whether complacency will seep in because of Wigan's situation because they could easily just look at it and say well it does it matter because at the end of the day we might be safe because of their points deduction I would rather us stay up because we've worked to stay up than getting it handed to us because another team has unfortunately had a points deduction. Um, but I, I don't know. Obviously, we'll see what happens. They haven't been deducted points yet. They still have games to play. Um, we just need to get points in ourselves and not worry about other teams. Yeah, we do. And we'll come on to that now and we'll cut, we'll make touch back a little bit more on that conversation we were just mentioning there. But I want to chat about QPR now. The 1-0 defeat, Jordan Hugel, of all players, to score um, and then go off with a hamstring injury. Um, probably faked it to get out of Teesside. Somebody um, on BBC T said uh, it was karma. <laughs> so probably he, was. Karma hit him immediately after he scored that game. At goal yeah. Well, to be fair, I, I, I'll be very... I'll be very I'm going to be very honest. I don't think Jordan Hugel will be around Teesside tonight, be back in Wynyard. I think it'll be... Um, He'll be on that train back down to London very, very quickly, I think. <laughs> but um, let's start things off with the the team and, and the li- the initial lineup. Uh, today, Sobor going to a four two three one formation. It was more of a four two three one rather than a, a five. And it, it saw Harold McCurdy moving to midfield and Ravel Morrison get his first start since Barnsley. Um, Dana, what was your thoughts on, on on their performance? Do you think Harold did a job in midfield today? I mean, he didn't do terribly, but I don't think he did 
incredibly. It was a weird one. Um, I mean, he was marking Eze, who's a, an absolute nuisance. He was um, pulling players all over the pitch. He was drifting out wide, coming centrally. It's always going to be hard to stop Eze. He is a top, top quality player in this division. And I, I would probably say that he won't be playing in the Championship next year. Um, but it was a strange one. I mean, especially considering that Adam Clayton's on the bench and he's fit and he's a out-and-out holding midfield player. I think... Makudi, I said it before in uh, the sports journalism group chat that I don't think that I feel like he's capable of playing that role because I think that he's got that presence. He's strong. I think he, when I watched his highlights for, um, in who did he play for again? Sinetian. Yeah. Um, he brought the ball into midfield and he he worked it um up the pitch. Um, I, it just didn't work today. It didn't work, and I have to question why Clayton didn't play. It is a strange one. Mm, I think it's an interesting one. I think you're right. I think um, Harold does bring the ball out of defence. He does look comfortable on the ball. He can he can spray past when as as and when he needed to. Uh, I think with that position today, I think it was it was a, always going to be a very difficult um, afternoon for him. I think uh, Everichiez is like you mentioned, Denny. He's a wonderful, wonderful talent. I think he's going to be. He's well, he's a very young player with just so much potential. And I think obviously a lot is said with young players when they're coming through and they're playing games. You always feel that they're going to be a lot better than what they are. But I think he's going to be a Premier League player mm-hmm. next season. I completely oh, agree. Or he'll yeah. go to like League One, or he'll go to the Bundesliga or something. I think he'll be playing in a, in a much higher higher league uh, next season. But moving on, else uh, Ravel Morrison got his first start, like I mentioned, uh, since Barnsley. For me, I think Ravel Morrison is a great talent. I think every time I watch him, he does look very comfortable on the ball. He's, he's able to spot a pass. But for me, at this moment in time, I don't think he's suited to what Borough need right now. I think Ravel Morrison is a luxury player. I think he's a player that um, a club would be very lucky to have him. I think he'd be very suited to a team that is very good in possession and have long spells in the game. I think he'd be, just be perfect for that type of team. I think when Neil Warnock's QPR team had that, mm-hmm. So yeah. he he was he was very suited to to that style of play at a time, and obviously when he was at Manchester United as well, teams that would dominate, but also very good on the counter attack. He's been brought up to play that style. But anyway, that's my thoughts on Ravel Morrison. But in terms of of, of Yorzels, what did you think of Ravel today? Do you think it was? Do you think he put in a good performance, or just think it wasn't the right game for him? Um, I th- I think I think probably the same as what Dana alluded to with Harold McCurdy. Really, I think it was. He was sort of average, um, I guess. Sort of when he came off, it was probably the right time. I don't think he'd influenced the game in the way um, Neil Warner probably wanted. Um, but I think it's it's probably like what you said, Johnny, in terms of possession. Um, if you're looking at um, possession in in the the three games we've played so far uh, against Stoke, it was 31%. Against Hull, it was 53, uh, which was quite an improvement. But that was a, a very scrappy game, and both teams couldn't keep hold of the ball. Um, and then today, it was actually improved on the second half because I took note of it at half time. It was thirty four, and then by the end of it, it was thirty nine percent to Borough. Um, but yeah, he's one of those where yeah, he needs to be in a team where um, you are dominating the ball, and we're looking sort of we've got a higher line. We're looking to try and get the ball into their area. Where as the way Neil Warnock seems to want to play now, it's very much um, kick and chase almost, and it's very physical, um, even though. I don't really think we're a physical team, which is another point. But um, yes, I just don't think it suits his style of play. 
Um, and it almost reminds me a bit of um, what I used to kind of describe Afonso Alves as, where it's kind of he'll do well if you're already doing well. Um, <laughs> he's, he's not a he's not a player who can kind of drag something out of nothing, um, a bit like Patrick Roberts can. Um, he is he will be you know if you're already winning one nil. Um, and the team's flowing full of confidence. Ravel Morrison will look like a world, world beater. But, um, you know, if, if you're 1-0 down, you're looking for that extra bit of fight from somewhere and to drag you out of nothing, he, he doesn't look like he's given a lot. Um, which isn't really, you know, it's not down to him. It's his style of play. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of, yeah. It, I don't really get this sort of um, style of play, what we're doing anyway um what i don't understand sort of about the system is that with the position that we're in um we're sort of why are we willing to sacrifice possession and play long balls and have physicality when we don't particularly have a, a strong squad we we you know we don't really have i was trying to actually find stats on on sort of headers one for 90 but i couldn't really find anything that detailed um but we're, we're 20th for goals from set pieces we've only scored 10 um <laughs> So I don't understand this concept of you know what why we're trying to do it. I get it's what Neil Warnock's um, probably used to when he, he's trying to sort of bring back control of sort of winning second balls and whatnot. But surely with the position we're in, try and keep hold of the ball as much as you can, recycle possession. Um, the other team then can't score. <laughs> if you've got hold of the ball, the other team can't score. Um, you haven't got fans on your back at the stadium trying to you know rush you into an attack. You can have a slow build up and, and trying to work the ball in but um yeah it's, it's a it's a strange one well he said didn't he i think i know you watched the post match press conference johnny he mentioned that he's not had enough time on the training pitch because of traveling and i do feel sorry for neil warner because i think if he did have more time he'd get more out of this squad but it just seems like they don't know what they're doing and it's so strange because these are a bunch of professional footballers and they can't do the basics. Like, that whole game was incredible. The The quality or lack of in Borough's final ball was outstanding, even for our standards. Like, and, and I sit here, I've only played football because the boys' team didn't have enough players and this was back in primary school. But even I know that, like, that's just the basics. And I could probably deliver better balls in the box than the Borough players did against Hull. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it just gets to the point where you're thinking, "What is the point? Like, what's the point?" I mean, did did you see did you see Paddy McNair today? And someone, I think it was maybe Patrick Roberts or something, laid it off, and he he had a shot, and it it went just straight over the bar. And it was just it was that moment. I think even even Mado said it. He was like, "The the quality on show is just." And I was saying to you guys, it just doesn't seem like it, it's championship level. I, I don't know what we're watching sometimes because it's you know misplaced passes. Um, shots off target, which again is another another stat I've got there. We've got and we're bottom for shots on target percentage um, in the whole league. So um, you know, right itself, it's, um, it's it's very weird how how bad we are. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, a stat from the day was Mills had 15 shots and four on target and created one clear cut chance. And obviously, the, the clear cut chance was Ashley Fletcher in the first half. And there's all all these things that you've been mentioning in, in this conversation, which it keeps. There's one thing that you haven't mentioned, which it keeps popping back in my mind. And it's I think Borough just look really leggy. We don't look fit at all. I, I think we're we're a yard off the pace every other team. I think the one game I think Stoke where we did look on 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 the pace a little bit. I thought we were we were good. We were darting at challenges. You know we were 
making ourselves a bit rough and tumble. It was it was a bit hard, like you know, like the fucking tackle thing of uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. one thing. I was like, well, yeah, I was feeling you have that. To get that in there. Like the, the like the, 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 the fist. Yeah, like you know what I mean. It, it was like it was it was there to see. But the two games after the after that, we've looked so leggy and tired, lacklustre. There's there's no zip about our play. It's very slow. It's it's just not like. It's not good at all. I think I think I was, I'm trying, probably quality was probably the word I'm, I'm looking for. There's, there's no real quality there, and there's no like passing to centre midfield and trying to spread out wide. You know, if I think sometimes I think the, a good thing to do is to put it in the channels. If you if you're in doubt, put it in the channels. It's uh, it's basic. You know, you get up the pitch, you can make things a little bit difficult for the defending team. But when we just don't have the legs to chase the ball and not chase for ninety minutes, we just look so so tired. And when I see the likes of Leeds United. They're chasing every second ball, you know, the very the full of confidence, and that's what Bielsa demands. And I think we haven't really got that yet. Um, it's it's really disappointing to be honest. And I think Jonathan Mugg has to really look at himself um, and say, why haven't I got these players ready for the restart? I don't appreciate Jonathan's gone now, but he should have been taking a lot more control of the season um, and and some of the players as well. But in terms of, of of today as well, there's a couple of things I want to move into. Um, but is, we're going to chat about Jed Spence first. I think Jed obviously was played really well at Hull. We even compared him with Dharma in a tweet, and then he got injured about two minutes later. Um, look, he didn't play today. He was he was busy in Manjaro's. You know, he was eating his he's eating his Parma. Um But do you think how, how big how big of a miss is Jed Spence for this team? Because Neil Warnock absolutely loves him. That was a massive miss. I, like Im- immediately in the game today, I was thinking. We miss Spence here. And I think it was weird that Warnock didn't put Hayden Coulson um, in the team because I was thinking, if you don't have Spence and Coulson, then what have we got? Because you've got Marvin Johnson out wide. He's, I think he's more defensive-minded Johnson than offensive-minded. And, you know, he'll do... He'll do a job sometimes, but you need that directness, you need that pace, you need that trickery. And I thought it would be it would have been good to see Coulson on the left and then Roberts on the right, and we just didn't see it. And yeah, immediately I was thinking we do miss Spence here, and we 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 all said it months ago that um, those two players are integral to Borough going forward. And yeah, it just shows that. We've got a newcomer here, you know, his debut season, and he's probably one of our best players, if not our best player at present. And I think that says everything as to this Borough squad um, as a whole. Yeah, still, we'll shout. I still think we, you know, the, the five-three-two um, is is definitely the the best system for us. I mean, obviously, if if Spence is um, injured now, it's not going to work. But I think I was just looking at the. Um, obviously, we've played variations of four three three and four two three one in these three games since Warnock's been in charge. And yeah, you could say obviously it worked against Stoke because we won. But um, I think overall, it, it still would have been better with the five three two. I think we are not, we don't have any creativity. Um, you know, that's why, like I mentioned for those stats, that's why we're bottom for for goals scored, bottom for shots on target percentage. We've failed to score in um, games with the fourth worst for that. Um, it, it's just... I mean, I know that we weren't really getting results with it as well when, when Woodgate was using it, but um, I'd like to think that um, Warnock probably would, especially if he had more time, as we've alluded to. But um, I just think it gives more balance. When when you see that simple ball being played over the top today, 
if we'd had an extra centre half there, um, that could have been where they were positioned um, and easily cleared. I think we've looked far too open since moving back to a back four. Um, it gives an extra cover for friend because honestly, I, I'm I'm really um, getting annoyed with his performances. Um, but I think you know, you know, we don't we don't have many players obviously to, to play some of those positions. So even if you were including him as a centre half, um, and you had Fry, Shotton, and and friend, like I said, they could have been shot on there covering for him for that ball over the top uh, today. So yeah, for me, I think I'd, I'd still have the other system, but. Um, yeah, well, we're still sort of chopping and changing things, which is always going to be with a new manager. He's going to want to test things out, but at the same time, it's part of. And what I was going to say earlier about Makudi is, do we have the time to be testing things or shoehorning people into positions? Should we just, <laughs> I don't know, just go back to what we, we we think our noise working? But obviously, I guess we see the different things to to what they're seeing. Yeah, well, Neil Warnock's only had 10 days in the job. I think he's going to, he's, and what we've seen all season is going to be a lot more than what he's, he's known. He's, he's on the training ground. He's wanting to test, he's going to have to test certain things because whatever we've done this season hasn't worked. And moving into like something like chopping and change, we've got a question from Andrew Little there. And he, he says about Patrick Robertson, it's a good point, to be fair. He says, would Roberts be better suited on the left hand side of play um, to help with balls? into the box with obviously with his left foot. Would you like to see Patrick Roberts move to the left hand side or do you think there's a, a big strength there to keep him on the right hand side and cut in? Go on, Dan, um, Or whoever you want yeah, to answer. Yeah, well I mean I, I was just gonna say I think I'd still prefer him on the right. Um just because I haven't seen enough from us um to warrant that you know his crossing ability. I, I don't think we've scored enough from from that anyway. Um so I think I mean, I mean, we're very poor from scoring any type of chance, whether it be a cross or whether it be a through ball anyway. Um, but I think it's I think he, it's probably more dangerous having him on the right for him to cut in and try and get a shot. There were so many chances he had today like that, but the, unfortunately the, um, they kept getting blocked. QBR defended quite well on um, from that side of things. Um, but I definitely think that's more dangerous. I think if we whip it in, I can't see many times as a sort of winning headers. Um Unfortunately, unless it's you know, unless he gets a very quick breakaway and it's an early cross sort of along the floor to play in Britain, he, he outpaces someone. Um, yeah. See, mm. I think he should have been played centrally at the latter stages of this game. I know Maddo was saying on commentary that he didn't understand why McCoody was still on the pitch and he didn't understand why Roberts was brought off. And I completely understand that um, to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, Roberts has had a hamstring injury, so you don't really want to risk that. But at the same time, we didn't like we were like Maddo said we were losing. So you take Makudi off and put someone else on and and keep Roberts put Robert central. Um, for me, I feel like I do get why he's on the right. He he excelled there for Celtic, but for me, he needs to be played centrally. I think the ball needs to come to him and the play needs to go through him. Um, he needs to have that license to roam free and to pull players out of position because. Like Elle said, with the um, the three slash five at the back, we had those two centre attacking midfielders, and it was it was Roberts and Tav. They were doing ever so well to pull players out of position, and that for me is is what we need. Our final ball is horrendous. Let's be honest; it's hands down the worst in the league. We saw that against Hull. I won't <laughs> go on to that anymore. Then they already have. But for me, I think we need to play him centrally. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I think I, I agree you should play central. Uh, I think and hear me out. Um, hear me out on it. I think four two three one still. Uh, I think we should probably stick with the formation at the minute. I think it does sometimes give us a bit more control in, in the midfield and help us a bit, be a bit more structured. I think we were really well structured against uh, against Stoke. Um, and I think it, one thing I would change is maybe move Ryan Shorten into right back and put Housen back in the midfield and then try Jed Spence on the right wing. Um, Jed Spence, obviously the three. Jed, Jed on the right, um, Coulson on the left, and I would probably put Patrick Roberts in the middle. And then you'd either have Ashley Fletcher or Britt up top. And I think that just gives you the pace that you need to get up the pitch. Um, but also it gives us the ability to quite to be creative and give support to the to the centre forward as well. I think we're too slow, I think, on the counter-attack when we want to get forward. I think we're too lackluster, we're too slow with the ball. We try and like pass our way around and hoof the ball on the channel, which doesn't really work. I think sometimes with us, I think we've got to try and take the game with a scruff of the neck and go, come on, let's try and get forward and get on that front foot. And, uh, and get forward really, but in terms of today, obviously the the one nil defeat's really difficult. And when you're a player as as well, and you're going into the changing room, um, what would be the the one thing that you would probably say? What Neil want? What would what what should Neil Warnock say? Um, should he be putting his arm on the players, or should he be going gung ho and effing and jeffing? You know what I mean? It's uh, what, what what what? How would you really uh, assess that? Oh, whoever um, wants it. Whoever wants it. Yeah, no, it's tough, isn't it? Because obviously, I think um, in 10 days, as you said, it's a short space of time. And I think um, part of it, he's got to say, look, there's been mistakes that have been made, whether it be them, um, the players' fault itself or, or above them. Um, but it's down to them now. They're the actual people that go out and um, on the field and make a difference. So whatever else has gone on in the year, I think he just needs to remind them, look, just forget what's happened we go again in the next game and you've got to, <laughs> I won't put the F word in, but you've got to die to get three points, as he says, because <laughs> um, like we, we really have now um, and we haven't got, um, I don't even want to say easy games because we know how difficult every game is um, in this league, but we, we haven't got any um, games against teams around us anymore. So we've got to go to places and I think uh, is Millwall game, is it away as well, isn't it? Um so, you know, <laughs> travelling down to London and, and go and pick up a result and I think Millwall are in and around the playoffs, aren't they? So um, they're going to be having their own motivations for the game. So it's you've you've just got to get every last ounce of um, energy and motivation from the players um, and keep their spirits high, really. Um, because if they're already going into it with a defeatist mentality then we're as good as down. And I think he, he should be a, a good sort of motivator at that. He's had plenty of experience of, of doing that. So um, hopefully it just translates into results on the pitch. Wouldn't you just love to be a fly on the wall for Neil Warnock in the dressing room? God, it'd be definitely, glorious. Yeah. Straight straight after a, a defeat as well. It'd be, <laughs> yeah. It'd be I think he definitely, he definitely has a split personality with like the press and with like the change. Oh, 100%. Room. 100%. Yeah, and definitely. That, I think what you're mentioning there, um, Ellis, I, I agree with most part, but I also think that I think this, I think today's performance is, is a perfect opportunity for the Borough team to have a really honest conversation in the, in the changing room. I think it's, I think it's time for players to have the finger pointing at them, be held accountable, and have that honest conversation. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. 
Um, and I think any walks that I have had, I don't think anyone likes being told that they're not, well, not, they're not very good, but they're, not, they're just not being effective or they can improve. And sometimes it is a bit of an ego thing. But I think with Borough right now, I think they, they just need to to really have that leader in the dressing room, which we don't have. We haven't had it for since Ledbetter's left. I think Warnock, even, even if it was Warnock or Kevin Blackwell or Leo or anyone in that coach staff, or even like some of the players like House and our friend, they need, they need to have that honest conversation, not with with themselves, but also in that dressing room and say and point at the players who aren't pulling the weight to essentially say, you're either in or you're out. And unfortunately, you're going to have to like ruffle a few feathers and have some really bad conversations. But also, you might have to fall out with a few people to actually get something from them. Yeah. I just don't think we have that. I think when Woodgate said in the throughout the season that this dressing room has been brilliant, Shotton said it's one of the best dressing rooms he's been in. Is that because it's too nice, or is it? Yeah, is it because probably? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like you know, like obviously playing. Like, Okay, level. I think you know. I understand dressing room crack. It is. It is good. It's a good part to be in, in a good. It's good being in a good dressing room, and you know, like you, it. It does feel off you, and the confidence can there. But when you're getting beat, it can be really, really difficult. And I think it just needs someone who is a leader to come out and say, right, this, this is, this is essentially shit. Um, but I think that, that really needs to happen. I think the only way. I think the only thing I can really compare it to is either Fergie's United, where they would have those conversations, or even. I was watching like the last dance um, about um, Michael Jordan and like, about the Chicago Bulls. Like he was, he held every single player accountable, and I think that's what Borough have to do. I think that's where I think very very short term right now before we even move into any re- sort of restructure at the end of the season. Doesn't matter what division we're in. I think we need to have some fingers pointed at a few people, not just in the club but also or the players, sorry, even the coaching staff, but also the 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 board as well. And I think that's where we should really. Should really start, but anyway, I think I think Maddo pointed out to it as well, didn't he? As well, at the end of the game, he said, uh, you know, someone should just get together and sort of have a meeting on it. He said, and the uh, master yeah. just sort of like laughed and said, like, what do you mean? He said, like, you know, just get friend, just get everyone together, or someone who's you know who's considered a captain or leader or whatever. Um, if we have someone who you know who's got the balls to do it, pretty much, and and just yeah, tell people how it is. If there's someone. Who isn't playing well enough, or they haven't all season? You know, they need to be, they need to be told. You see it where it's happened with teams in the past, even outside of management, um, where they've got together um, between themselves and and say, look, as it could be the case now that they could be off in little groups um, of players who's been there for a number of years. They'd be saying, oh, that that new lad, you know, Ravel Morris, whatever, he's rubbish since he's joined. And they're not telling each other; they're just kind of in their little cliques, and and that doesn't help anyone. Um, because Ronald Morrison, just you know, he, he might not really be. He might have one or two people he might speak to, but he might not be same mates with the full dressing room, something like that. Um, and it's and it's just not they're not cohesive enough on the pitch. Um, there's no teamwork on the pitch. Um, you've got to be one, and it is hard because, like you say, there's a what there's twenty five odd people, thirty people, um, but you've got to come together as a team and um, kick off with each other. Essentially, if it's not good enough, which which at the moment it isn't. Hmm. I wanted to chat a little bit about Hull, but I just don't know if I can be asked to be honest. I think it was that bad of a performance. Uh, I don't want to skip over it, but um, I, yeah, I, you know, what? I actually I'm going to skip over Hull. Uh, I don't think I can chat about ninety minutes of hoofball anymore. Uh, I think the the no wins in the thirteen, the player that scored and scored for months, and you know, it was just a typical week for a typical Borough on it. So it was um, 
I think that pretty much is it. But there's a couple more, just like one more question before we move into Millwall, guys, and it's a question for Paul Smith, and it's actually a very interesting one. Um, he mentions about Ipswich last season, and if you can recall, Ipswich last year under Paul Lambert, they brought in a lot of League One players, and they brought in a League One manager at the time as well, who was who did pretty well. I think I can't remember who was that now, um, but anyway. Sorry, he, he did had a good record. They've brought quite a lot of League One players. It's something that Borough kind of replicated this year with bringing in the League One players, and obviously you bring bring Mahias back as well. And do you think that was the wrong decision? Like, instant, well, it's I think it's an easy answer. Easy answer to say it's the wrong decision now, but is it is it quite difficult to say? Why on earth did you? Why were you trying to follow up switch when you just know this hasn't worked? Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's quite, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in regards to the signings, though, I think Borough obviously want, wouldn't have gone down that route of signing League One players if they didn't have to balance the books. I think the financial aspect of everything is definitely forced their hand because, let's be honest, over the past couple of years in the Championship, we've signed. Some top end players like Rhodes, Britt, you know, players that have been experienced in this division, like David Nugent. Um, I think the obviously the recruitment is a massive, massive issue, and it, there's no getting away from that. But uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think with ours, obviously, bowlers at Blackpool, I don't even think he's getting a game at Blackpool uh, or before the season curtailed. Um, Dyke Steele's obviously been injured. Marcus Brown's gone back to Oxford. It's been a really rotten transfer window um, for Borough over well, the past two, or the past few, actually. But, um, you know, like I said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And unfortunately for Borough, I think we are not well-placed to have those players in the team because the team as a whole... I say team loosely because it's there's just a despondency there, there's the complete disconnect, and it's to be honest, like I said at the top, I, I think the only way that Borough are going are, are down. Els, how many players do you think Borough need in the window? Um, twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all, all the squads. <laughs> um, yeah, no, really, uh, a lot. Um, but I, I I can't see how feasible it is because obviously it has to be a case where um, a complete overhaul would not rip things apart, but it, you know you have to kind of manage it carefully because if you end up getting rid of everyone first and you, you don't leave yourself enough time, maybe you get a, a, a full squad in place again. Um, but you know, especially if we went down, um, I think there'd be an, a bigger overhaul than if we stayed up. Which unfortunately I'd like it to be the case either way, whether we stay up or go down. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many players um, right now who, for the for the fee that we've signed them, just aren't warranting even right now looking like the championship quality. Um, you know, and as Dana said, there there's some um, high end players, but even like overpaying for people who, who aren't high end championship. You know, we seven million George Savile, five million Paddy McNair, almost seven million Ashley Fletcher. If you looked at like the the team on paper today, it'd be almost thirty forty million plus, and we've won what eight ten games, games this year, season. ten games. It, it's just <laughs> it's just abysmal how um how much money we can spend there on on little to no return. Um, 
from those players. And I can kind of guess, yeah, obviously the, the finances forced our hand earlier in the year, but um, for some of those signings, but also them, they, they haven't been that good enough. You can afford to maybe do so if you can um, bed them into the team slowly and um, you know work them in for maybe a couple of cup games first, let them have um, a couple of okay performances and then maybe give them a chance when you know you're maybe going to finish mid table or something or um, as we said we we kind of seen it as a transition season initially um it's all went disastrously wrong since there but you know if we were bobbing around mid table now that they could be they could have been here and still getting a game but the the main players would have um played the majority of the games and and sort of won the matches but those main players haven't done that which hasn't allowed those league one signings to to even flourish and they've had to go back out on loan again um two of them so uh yeah it's it's hard because obviously you, you can as we said before you can pick up um good players from those levels and you can get really good bargains but it's just it's just a case of if you've done your um you know if you've done your homework thoroughly enough you've done your scouting um properly um you know and then you haven't forked out a lot doing it then it's it's um it's not much of a detriment really to the club. I think obviously for Mark Bowler and Marcus Brown, there wasn't much investment, so it's not going to be disastrous if we ever do sort of move them on. Maybe Dyke's deal could be worse because I think it was almost about two million that deal, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, it's one of those. If we maybe didn't get Dyke's deal for that, maybe got him for seven hundred thousand something like that, then you look and you maybe like, oh, we've only spent a mil, a little over a mil or something. You think, well, it's not bad in the grand scheme of things um, I guess we forced our own hand with the f- the finances though because obviously you mentioned there the money that we've we've spent on players we give yeah. Gary Monk an open checkbook and some of the signings we made are absolutely horrendous I mean Cyrus Christie lasting six months and then being moved on in Flint for what was it six seven million it's a bit absolutely ridiculous so Tony Pulis signing Tony Pulis oh. in Flint we've oh, given yeah. we've, we've we the money to essentially the wrong people over the years haven't we the one person we probably should have given the money to was tony mowbray um and we didn't we give it to you know the gary monks and garden strackens maybe only likes giving it to um to giving the money to ginger managers maybe that's just the the thing with gibson but um yeah it's uh yeah yeah like you said dana we have we have brought it it upon ourselves essentially mm. um yeah i mean even with pulis though like people will say that gary monk was was the worst for it but pulis wasn't great either like yeah with with flint um you know it's just i mean we've we've dug ourselves our own hole really and we reap what we saw we've we've had awful recruitment for the past couple of years and this is where we find ourselves as, as a result of it plus other bad decisions that we've made along the way as well it's true. It's a, a borough decade of uh, a decade of decline, as I like to call it. Even though we had a promotion, I think it's a good. Well, even more than a decade. I think since two thousand and seven, we've been on the on on the decline. So, but anyway, the the man that calls all the shots and the questions is Steve Gibson. And if he ever wants to come on the Borough Breakdown podcast, he can. So there you go, Steve. That's my open invitation. If you want to come on, you can come on the podcast. But anyway, um, let's chat about Millwall. Eh? So. Borough Wednesday against Millwall, three o'clock kickoff. So I'm going to sit with two laptops on my lap. Uh, one we're doing work, one watching the match. Um, guys, I'll pass the mic over to you. Let's uh, let's see what you can uh, tell me about Millwall. 
I didn't I'll know it was actually a three o'clock kickoff. That's a yeah. Yeah, it got moved. Didn't it? Just to just keep getting earlier and earlier now that um, there's no fans there. Ridiculous. Kick off, kick off at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll I'll start with the uh, top scorers and whatnot. Just picked out a few stats. Uh, the top scorers this season: Matt Smith is on twelve, Jed Wallace is on ten, uh, Tom Bradshaw is on eight, and Sean Hutchinson is on five. Top assisters, Jed uh, Wallace. I keep going to say Jed Spence. He's probably getting into our heads, isn't he? He's like our, our mascot. But uh, no, Jed <laughs> Jed Wallace is is on ten. Obviously, their star player. Um, the next best in terms of assists is Matt Smith on four. Just um, looking into Wallace. Um, on an individual level, he averages 2.2 key passes per game. Um, to put that into context, he ranks fifth in the league for them, behind Downing, Ben Ramos, Swift, and Pereira. He ranks seventh in the league for successful dribbles per game and ranks third in the league for assists. Uh, Matt Smith has won 59.7% uh, of his aerial duels this season. Only for former Borough player Lukas Jukovic um, has a better aerial duel win percentage. Uh, the last three games between Borough and Millwall have been draws, 2-2, 1-1 and 1-1. And then uh, Millwall have, uh, looking into their form, they've only lost one of their last six games. So a little uh, look into their stats there. I think what, what was what was interesting as well, just uh, sort of not even touching on Millwall there, um, in those stats that you mentioned, obviously Lukas Djokovic top for one of them, down in top for one of them. <laughs> Add that to the yeah. fact of Jordan Rhodes scoring against us today. Why do all Borough players... Jordan Rhodes scoring against Jordan us today? Rhodes. Sorry, not Jordan Rhodes. Um, we're going Jordan crazy Google. on this podcast. Um, I've, J- I've forgotten Jason who McCoody was playing for and I forgot that bloody Tony Pulis signed in. <laughs> who cares? But yeah, um, I'm, okay, what my point was is why do, why do Borough players uh, turn out you know, miles better after they leave us? It's, uh, it's a bit of a curse. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, as you mentioned, with those players sort of putting it in the context, like you said, fifth best. I'd like to see where, you know, Borough player ranks in that. Um, you know, surely we'd be like 47. I'll down. Yeah, yeah, I'll just scroll down a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was just looking at their uh, formations and things, um, Millwall, they've, they have kind of chopped and changed a bit as well. Um, but I think they've settled on a sort of three at the back um, lately. Uh, that have been kind of this is the last game they played a three four two one. Um, so in part a bit like what we've played where we've had the sort of two cams as you were mentioning, sort of dragging people out of position, um, can be a very effective formation. Um, as you mentioned, they're kind of doing sort of very well since they've came back as well. Obviously, they had the defeat when they first came back to Derby, um, drew with Barnsley, um, drew with Swansea, and then beat um, Charlton. Um, and they've actually they've actually could have a big say in this this whole sort of relegation battle. Obviously, they're playing Barnsley and Charlton already, um, and the next two games are against us and Hull. Um, so they can they can say in a lot what happens really. Um, but no, I mean with Millwall, it, it was kind of weird, wasn't it? I think with them that they weren't um, up there to begin with, and they've kind of snuck out of nowhere. And a lot of the promotion places now changed, but um, reminds me a bit of like a few years ago, and I think we. We just pipped them to it, didn't we? On the on the final day of the season, um, when we drew with them, uh, for for ourselves to get a a, a playoff spot, um, 
and it's very reminiscent of that. And they've got a lot of the same players since then. Jed Wallace has obviously been there quite a few years, and we were linked with him when we signed Savile. I wish we'd assigned him over Savile instead. <laughs> <laughs> Things could have been agree. very different. Um, and I, I believe Matt Smith is, 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 I think, did he score against us earlier in the season when we when we played at home? Um, or was he? I think it was um, the guy that missed that chance, didn't he, where it was like three yards out. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was very effective in the air against us, and I think it's going to be the same again. Um, and Especially if we're going to stick with the back four. You know, like as I mentioned before, there's one less centre-back to deal with that aerial threat um, of him. So I think when we might have played him anyway, we were playing the 4-3-3 um, at that point. But still, um, it's going to be quite tough, I think, against Millwall and... Yeah, I know you're going to come to predictions, Johnny. Um, Go on, I'm not, tell I'm us predictions. Op- I'm not very optimistic. Um, but I, I think, as, as as always is the case, when we have a positive result, as I said, we, we then tend to somehow get optimistic in our heads and, and have a um, positive outcome on it. But And now I think we you know, we probably all predicted defeat. Um, <laughs> but I think there's got to be a response from it. And if, we, if, if there isn't, then I, I literally give up. And I think... <laughs> And I know, like, it's probably going to have to be a win to be anything sort of useful. Um, but I still think a draw would be an okay result um, based on just us going down there, Millwall being a far better team than what we are currently. Um, and it would be an improvement on what it's been in the past two games. So I'm going to go for 1-0. One 1-0 all. One all draw. Uh, Dana? I think I'll go for the same score today. I'm going to go 1-0, but not to Borough. 1-0 to Millwall. I'm going to go a draw as well, as I think we can get a point at Millwall. I think the way they play might suit us. I don't think it'd be for the for the purists anyway. I think it's a... No, it'll be another scrappy one, won't it? It'd be a scrappy game there, play quite a long ball style as well. and So it's it's going to be a, a very tight Horrible game of football, scrappy, and I think it'll be one on. I think you know, obviously Gary Routes done very well there since he's uh, since he got the job. Then they've moved up the table and it's worked out for them. And I'm hoping we can catch them off guard on Wednesday and hopefully get the three points. But I take a draw anyway. But anyway, guys, that's pretty much it. So thank you for for joining me as always, and to you guys listening. If you haven't already, um, give this podcast a follow on the apps that you listen to us to or if you listen to Radio Ambi Radio just let us give us some feedback um, also if you haven't like, share, subscribe to our channel but also if you give us 5 star rating on Apple Podcasts if you listen to us on there that helps us get found but if you want to leave us a little comment on there we can read that out on the podcast as well um, or even DM your send us uh, your, your ats or anything we'll, we'll give you a chat um, but from there Borough had back to back defeats it's a week of typical Borough. The only way is down. <laughs>